Before the start of this episode, I wanted to tell you about another podcast that I am producing for my friend Aisha. It's called the Botanica Podcast. I wonder what she thinks of that pronunciation. But anyway, <laughs> uh, here's a trailer for the podcast. You can subscribe to it uh, anywhere you get your podcast, just like ours. Here it is. Welcome to the Botanica Podcast. This is your host, Aisha. Listen in as we discuss topics like love, health, sex, relationships, and even alternative medicine. We stream live every Sunday at 8 on Facebook. Listen to the Botanica Podcast on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to stop by our Botanica every Sunday. We have a lot to share. There's another podcast I want to tell you guys about. It's called The Barber and the Bartender. There's a barber, there's a bartender, and they talk about pop culture, sports, music. And of course, because one of them's a bartender, there's going to be a drink of the day and he'll give you a little history on different libations. So uh, tune into The Barber and the Bartender on Spotify, Apple Podcast. They're on Facebook. Here's the trailer for their podcast. Come to my chair, you catch a bait or get a taste. This shit gonna hurt tomorrow. Mm-mm. But it tastes good today. It's gonna hurt right now. I'm at the bar mixing up drinks and conversation. Yeah, no, I'm just a part-time dirtbag. Don't do that. You're a superstar. Yeah, we the ones you talk to and we your favorite. I'm a barber. You know what I'm saying? Niggas, got their, niggas got their permanent hair, I know. You know what I'm saying? Just said I just my I, hero. You gonna hold the perm? First of all, niggas that have nappy hair, put permanent <laughs> hair, have baby hair. It's the barber and the bartender, the best podcast in the nation. So you've got a podcast, or an idea for a podcast, or no ideas yet, but you want to start a podcast. Whatever stage you're at, G Media Solutions is here to help you take your podcast to the next level. We are a podcast production company based in Atlanta that specializes in audio recording, video live streaming, and all the elements you need to make your podcast thrive. To fulfill your podcast needs, contact us on Facebook and or Instagram at G Media ATL. By the time you hear this podcast, You'll learn how to make it snow.
Welcome to By the Time You Hear This Podcast. I'm Greg. I'm Ben. And we're back with episode 191. Uh, it's taken us a very long time to get to 200. <laughs> we actually did 100 like almost five years ago. <laughs> so That was a crowded episode too. Yeah, that was the most, most guest at one time that we've had. We have not attempted that since. Um, but that was a very long time ago. A lot of stops and starts in getting to 200. Um, we have nothing planned for 200. I don't, I don't know if we'll do that again. Uh, I mean, as far as we'll have, we have like eight people, eight people. (laughs) I was bringing mics from home. I was going to say like, everyone's so spread out now. Like one of the guests lives in freaking California now. (laughs) Yeah. We could do this remotely. Yeah. We could totally do it remotely. (laughs) It'd be interesting, but yeah. That, 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 that might be fun. Uh, and it won't look like a zoom call y'all. The software that I use here, there's, there's a possibility for eight people. At oh, least nice. or nine, nine people to okay. be on at one time. <laughs> we weren't as sophisticated back then. Yeah, definitely not. Um, but thank you for everyone who's listened so far. Um, we have fallen on the charts as far as music history. Um, but I got some ideas. Ben might have a few ideas as well to uh, get us back up to number one. Um, and it's a way that we can also uh, record more consistently. So, <laughs> so uh, that that definitely helps. That is rewarded uh, for any podcast, any category. Consistency will take you very, very far. Um, but thank you for anyone who's still subscribed at this point. Uh, just refreshing the feed uh, repeatedly, you know, kind of like uh, remember the episode of Family Guy where Meg fell in love with Brian, that was and. Such a weird- yeah, very weird. So and uh, there's a scene where she has on his collar and she's just turning the lamp yeah. on and off. Wasn't that a scene from a movie? <laughs> I think it was from Fatal, Fatal Attraction? Attraction. Okay, I thought so. Never seen Fatal Attraction, but that just, that's the first <laughs> thing I thought of. Um, so, yeah, that's how people are refreshing the feed, just turning the light on and off. <laughs> With opera us. music playing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um. But yeah, definitely, again, uh, appreciate uh, all the support that we've received so far. Um, So let's get into some music news. Uh, Since our last episode, of course, a lot of um, a few prominent deaths uh, with topics that we discuss have have occurred. Um, uh, I've kind of waited to do an episode on on Tom Bell, um, one of the architects of the Philadelphia soul sound mm-hmm. um, passed away. Uh, I believe that was New Year's Eve, if I'm not mistaken, but it, it, it was sometime in December. Uh, um, 22nd. The 22nd, shortly before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, Twitch, I referenced him on the last episode from being, him being in Stomp the Yard 2. Um, and he's uh, a DJ or co-host with, with Ellen uh, recently. And... A star on TikTok, of course, because he, he's a dancer. So um, making those kinds of videos can go viral pretty easily. And he even made one shortly before his death. And it, from, it was from an apparent suicide. Um, so it, it just, again, shows, you know, a little bit of a PSA here that um, uh, mental health, uh, 
depression, anyone who has suicidal tendencies that you know of, um, check in on them. Yeah. And not just check in on them. So, you know, you say, okay, you're still alive. I don't have to say anything, but sometimes, you know, encourage, you know, them to talk to someone, even if there's no one to, even if they can't talk to you, ask them to talk to someone, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so that was, that was a major conversation because everyone's like, Oh, he was such a, you know, such a positive guy, but he was clearly going through something. Mm-hmm. You know, he was married, he had kids. He was clearly going through something that, um, that was too much. So, um, talk to anyone who you feel like is in that situation before it's too late. Um, I know we haven't done an episode on trip hop or down tempo music or EDM more, you know, specifically, but, uh, maxi jazz from the band faithless, um, vocally one of my favorite, uh, uh, artists, like he had this, it, he's a British and it's this deep raspy voice that uh, I always jazz? Maxi Jazz. I've uh, always appreciated him. Uh, he's on my, he's on my favorite soundtrack of all time, the Cruel Intention soundtrack. <laughs> Even though the song that they have on there isn't on Spotify, but um, uh, uh, and he also there's another song I like that he did with Robbie Williams. You know, probably like 20 years ago uh, that I liked. Um, uh, he passed away after a short illness, I believe. And um, a member of a band that we've discussed on the podcast, Christine McVie from Fleetwood Mac, uh, passed away um, after after an illness. Uh, so, and she, I it just made me think of like the songs that she wrote were like it was kind of, you could tell like who wrote the song in the mm-hmm. band. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it would sounded like three different bands, really. <laughs> depending on who depending wrote. Depending on who wrote the song. <laughs> and it's like the only one that probably sounded like all three of them combined was probably The Chain. Yeah. That's the closest, but yeah, everyone else had a very distinct style of writing. Yeah. yeah. And she and Christine McVie probably had the, the, the poppiest of, mm-hmm. of, of the three. Yeah. Um, uh, and she and heard the song uh, "Everywhere" from Tango in the Night mm-hmm. is in a in a Buick commercial or some car commercial recently. I saw pe- I saw people <laughs> covering it too in her honor. Yeah, I only think I saw. Well, I know Heim covers. I think Heim covers. I know this band called Sawyer. I love covers it, but I saw Paramore covering it as well right after she passed. Yeah, and there's also I may have told you about it. There's a Shaka Khan cover. Of Stop it! it really. Yeah. Okay, respect, <laughs> respect, game recognized, game. <laughs> um, so, uh, rest in peace to all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just wanted to recognize them. Um, oh, continue. One, one last person oh. we can't. Jeff Beck. Jeff Beck, the yes. virtuoso, the um, yes, the 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 jazz fusion, rock playing. Um, Superstition was originally written for him, but he didn't do it, so Stevie <laughs> took over. So then he recorded, um, oh, God, what's the name of the song? Because um, We've Ended as Lovers, yeah. yep. which is a beautiful song. Um, but, yeah, so 
Yeah, he he re- was it January tenth is when he passed. Um, I don't know if he was sick or anything like that. One that one that one was a bit of a shock. Yeah, but yeah. So. So recipes to get older as well, man. Yeah. Um. So we want to get into uh, some music news. Well, I, 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 um. Well, you'll hear this on the if you're watching the video, but not necessarily on the podcast recording. Uh, but the film that we're discussing won a Golden Globe. Uh, it was for Best Actor in a Drama huh. for Austin Butler. Hold on. So was this recently? Yeah, I think the Golden Globes were like last week. Okay. okay. Oh, yeah, because it came out last year. Yeah. Okay. So it would. Okay. No, I could. <clears throat> I, I made a note about that. I could definitely. I can definitely see that in terms of um, just how, how the, the casting and everything. But I'll. I'll save it for the podcast. I'll save it for the discussion. <laughs> so what I wanted to do real quick, because I think I've only done this once before, but because it's a music podcast, I wanted to play the song that won best original song and to get your thoughts on it. Uh, I have not heard this song at all either. Um, it's called Natu Natu. Um by Raul Sipin Siplegunj and Kala Barava. And it's from an, a film called RRR. It is a uh, Indian Telugu language film. I don't know if that just means Bollywood, hmm. uh, <laughs> but is it, it is an original song uh, from that film. And it's probably going to be nominated for uh, uh, an Academy Award as well. So let's just play it real quick. <clears throat> See how this sounds. I kind of dig it. <laughs> it's got some energy. Uh, that's how a lot of... I, like I said, I don't I don't know if this is considered, you know, Bollywood uh necessarily, but it is the most uh part of it, the the film itself is the most expensive Indian film to date. Really <laughs> ever made. Uh and it's about two real life Indian revolutionaries, Aluri Satarama Raju and Komaram Beam, and their fictional friendship <laughs> and their fight against the British Raj set in the nineteen twenties. Interesting. Um, okay. Yeah. So uh, that is the song that won best original song. Um, also nominated, the money grab of pop music, uh, Taylor Swift. Yeah, it was for a movie she was in, right? Um, because they said she's really trying to get that Oscar. There's a film called Where the Crawdads Sing. Yeah. Whether okay, no, she was not in that, but they said she did another movie. 
in order to get consideration for the Golden Globes Oscars because she's trying to win for Best Original Song. I think it's that movie that everyone was in that flopped big time. Um, I can't think of it. I, I'll, I'll look it up. But uh, She had a song called Carolina that was in the film for the, Where the Crawdads Sing. Also nominated was Chow Papa, uh, written by Alexandre Desplat. Is it Desplat? I'm not sure how his last name is pronounced, but he's won. Um, he did the score for the Grand Budapest, Budapest Hotel in the Shape of Water, and he's won um, two Oscars for his score for those films. Also, the Guillermo del Toro was a co-writer on the song with Robin Katz for the song Chow Papa from Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Okay. Uh, the song uh, Hold My Hand... Uh, by Lady Gaga, <laughs> uh, co-written with Blood Pop and Benjamin Rice for the song Top Gun Maverick. When I saw that, all I could think of was uh, Hootie and the Blowfish. Hmm. That's what I thought of instantly, was <laughs> Hold My Hand by Hootie, but yeah. yeah I was not that exactly. Uh, and the song Lift Me Up, uh, sung by Rihanna. Um, written by Thames, Rihanna, Ryan Coogler, and Ludwig Gorenson for Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Hmm. Those are the other nominees. Um, but Natu Natu wins. Um, it's Natu Natu be denied. <laughs> so we'll see how the Academy Awards uh, shape up. We should see nominations in a few weeks, I suppose. Um I guess one film that I, I have to see, even though I haven't seen a lot of new films, is uh, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Um, Michelle Yeoh won Best Actress. And uh, Kay Wee Kwan uh, won Best Supporting Actor for that film. Okay. For those, Kay Wee Kwan, he was in uh, Goonies, That's that Indiana okay. Jones. Okay. Had a hard time finding work, apparently, after those movies. Um yeah, and then he then he went to school, and then he and then he came back as a stunt coordinator. <laughs> um, oh, James Hong is in this too. I like him; he's funny. Yeah, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis was also nominated for the for the same film. Um, but uh, as far as the um, and well, I mean, y'all already were already talking about uh, the film Elvis, but Austin Butler won best. Actor in a drama because normally, if it's a biopic about someone in music, make it a it's put under in, in the musical category. Mm, okay, they put it in they put it in the drama category, which is interesting. <clears throat> um, I want to know what the thinking was behind that because there was plenty of music in it. Lots of music. <laughs> plenty. So yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh. Uh, what do we have also? Okay, so um, let me see if I can find this uh, article about going to concerts in the Gen Z era or Gen Z behavior at, uh, at concerts. And this came from uh, one of our guests. Uh, we'll call him Matt B. Um <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, he posted this story on Instagram uh, where it was a, a a TikTok of 
you see these people at a concert, you see the the person performing, mm-hmm. and then the person pans over to where they're to their row, and it's like six or seven people with the with a phone recording themselves oh, lip syncing the lyrics. That does sound very Gen Z. Um, millennials record the concert. I guess Gen Zers record themselves at the concert. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, here we go. I found it. This is. It was an article on Vice, uh, or well, Noisy, which is I guess the Vice music publication. Uh, the article is called Why Do Live Music Audiences Suck Right Now? <laughs> um, so when talking about how artists are getting back to performing again, you know, because of the pandemic and all of that. Um, and they had Glastonbury, which is a festival in, is that in England, Ireland. I think. Uh, I don't think it might be Wales, but let's see. Um but that festival finally happened, and they talked about Phoebe Bridgers doing a tour. Paramore has been playing Misery Business again because uh, they've kind of soured on playing that song. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's in England. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and the article says, but has live music really returned to pre-pandemic levels? Because by the looks of things online, gig going has become kind of chaotic recently. Audience members heckling artists with crude comments. People What's playing that, games man? on their phones mid-performance for TikTok clout. Fans bombarding artists with objects. A la, um, was it Steve? Um, oh uh, someone threw at Rolling Loud. Uh, water bottles were thrown at Kid Cudi. Um, mm. And yeah, there are some other TikToks of artists being heckled during the performance. Uh, unhinged behaviors at live shows seem to have become commonplace, expected even. So what gives? Uh, it's difficult to pinpoint the exact reason why respectfully enjoying a performance has been replaced with shouting phrases like hit the sleigh button or spit in my mouth during an intimate acoustic set. Um, Seriously? <laughs> Is that bad? Um. Social media has created space for artists to directly connect with their fans, but it can also enable and foster the growth of one-sided parasocial relationships, appearing in the form of calling Mitski mommy as she sings about heartbreak and emotional pain. I think that also happens at Billie Eilish shows from videos I've seen where they just call her mommy. I, I, I don't get it. Like, Um... Um, Michaela Zapatelli, who works for Artist Relations and Fan Engagement for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, says, one thing that I've noticed at concerts, a lot of people are playing games in the middle of the show and lifting it up for everyone to see, and then it's on TikTok the next day, and then it goes viral, so everyone thinks it's funny and it wants to do it too. Five years ago, no one would have done this at a concert. Um... Her observation is indicative of a culture obsessed with captured content and curated experiences. In September, a fan's phone was handed to Harry Styles mid-show so that he could take a B-reel, which is uh, 
another social media app. I I just found out about You're it. Getting too old. <laughs> I've never heard of a be real. I thought they were talking about the rapper from Cypress Hill. No, <laughs> not that. <laughs> I guess that means I'm old. I- Oh, so they just handed him the phone in the middle of the show. Like, take this. It basically, like, okay, take this video to post it on this app. Because it'll go viral. Just to, for the people who've never heard of Be Real. I haven't either. People used to joke on Reddit about how, like, people care more about, like, fictional internet points. This is that realized. Yeah. This is, is it clout. But unfortunately, clout, but like, you can monetize it. And that's the, I think yeah. that's been the problem. You know, you'll have people go on Reddit and Karma Farm. They'll, like, repost something. Like, they might go and find, like, something that was popular from, like, a year or two ago. And repost repost it. it Because they know it'll get, you know, it'll get likes and upvotes and comments and all these things. And I I was hearing, you know, as early as maybe three or four years ago that companies who want to get into certain subreddits and have clout will purchase your Reddit account if it's got enough karma. So we've monetized everything. You, people have found a way to make money on Instagram. They found ways to make money on TikTok. So it's almost kind of like, why I, wouldn't you risk it, you know? And But the thing is, I guess the thing that makes this a little different and a very cringy is, okay, yeah, you can make money on Instagram and TikTok with, even if you're making, if you're making dance videos, you come up with a new dance for some song. Okay, we've seen that. Mm-hmm. We've seen people make uh, little comedy sketches. Okay, that's one thing. So it's creating content in a way. You're you're literally creating content. Yeah. But I think in this, people are trying to go, trying to go viral or get clout by by being obnoxious. Yeah. Well, because by, it sells. <laughs> it's unfortunate. Uh by putting people in an awkward position or, you know, just to like the video of the, of the, this row of kids having the camera on themselves, lip singing the song at the concert while the guy's performing that song. It's like, well, what, what was that for to say you were there, but the camera's on you. Internet points. So what is this? <laughs> it's got to be internet points, man. What are internet points? Like likes, <laughs> comments, engagement, stuff, you know, things you can things you can monetize. I, I, I really do think the moment we found out how to monetize social media, it was over. It was a, it, like it was over. Like there's only so long that we could, you know, because social media essentially is, is free. So the people who make it, of course, had to find a way to to make money off of it somehow, whether it be selling advertising, selling information. And then once you started getting help from the people, you know, guiding guiding forces on on on, on what's popular, tastemakers and things like that. Well, if you want to get the best, like in any industry, what do you do? You got to pay the best, you know. Got to you got to pay the best. You know, that's why you got influencers, which is essentially like our spokespersons. Like that's why I, I I feel like I sound old when I say that like it's an influencer it's a spokesperson, that's that's what it is like oh yeah you know it's like oh yeah um Johnny Depp was a spokesperson for this, but now he being influenced no you're a spokesperson, that's what you are I don't care if I sound fifty you're a spokesperson. 
And it's, it's that, like, I think a lot of people want to be influencers mm-hmm. because I guess it just, it doesn't feel like work. Uh, it <laughs> It's just being yourself. Like your job is to be you, yeah. do you. And people will, if you, if you do you the right way, <laughs> I guess, then uh, you can make a lot of money just doing you. Yeah. I will say, though, considering how long Instagram's been around, I don't know how some of these people have kept this going for so long. Like, I'll go and look at people I, I was following back in, like, 2011, 2012 when I first got on there, and I'll forget about them. I'm like, and then just all of a sudden a post from them will come up. I'm like, huh, they're still in here doing it. And it's just like they're a celebrity only on the internet. <laughs> like they're not a Selena Gomez or not a LeBron James. They're specifically in this sphere. Some of them get lucky and they might get in a movie or two or a TV or something, but this is what they're known for. And somehow, some way, they keep coming up with funky stuff every single day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it. Like it's, you know. It, it's. I was thinking about that with um... – you know, some of the, the the ones who are on Instagram or TikTok, they make sketches or they're on YouTube and they have, you know, basically short films. Yeah. And you'll see a bunch of comments. Oh, this you should get a show. Someone give this guy a show. Like, mm. the thing is why they stay just famous on the Internet or on that particular platform. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always cross. It does over. not always. It doesn't translate. always cross over. There's some like remember Vine. So many people got famous off of Vine. It doesn't cross over to television or movies, which are more than six seconds long. Unless you're the well, actually, they haven't made movies. They just have shows. The Paul brothers, Logan Paul, and um, and the other one, Jake Paul, and Jake Paul. Yeah, but like they're doing everything under the sun. Well, yeah, now now they've crossed over into into (laughs) athletics, and and I mean they had to hustle. Y'all are getting, but. And they're they're fooling people. Well, for the most part, they're fooling children. Yeah, yeah. That's where their audience is because now Jake Paul is going to fight. Uh, he's going to do MMA. Oh, I was like, who are you going to fight? Who are you going? Who are you going to fight? A because scrub. when you know when he when he was boxing, did he fight an actual boxer? No, Mm-mm. he fought an, a former NBA player, yeah. <laughs> a former NBA player, and like three or four ex UFC fighters who aren't boxers mm-hmm. or they haven't done boxing in years. And I felt bad for the people in ESPN who had to try to pretend that, that this they was were, interesting. Yeah, that they were decent. Oh, he shows a lot of promise. Oh God, I felt bad. <laughs> and then it may have been staged oh, because the last one he fought, he probably should have lost. But the other dude was I feel like he was told to take a dive. <laughs> he probably because he could box a little bit, but he didn't uh, throw any punches. Like, yeah, if he throws a punch, he's gonna he might knock the dude out. Oh God, yeah, the Paul brothers, man. I don't, yeah, I don't. The the popular thing I, I'm seeing right now on TikTok um, is people remaking '90s style sitcoms. Have you seen that? Uh, not exactly. Yeah, like one a sound. So like one of those like sounds that you would hear, like the musical bump. As they're going to commercial. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that started trending. And there were people who were making literal full multi-part, like a, like they make multi-part videos to tell one long narrative. 
for the show. Um, I've seen two people do it well. I can't remember the first guy's name, but the second guy is is and this actually is brilliant. I would watch this. He's remaking Seinfeld. <laughs> he's great. His imitation. Is he the are, one who's who's making Seinfeld, but they're babies? No, this is Seinfeld. Okay, like, I, as it I would saw be one today. of those. Yeah, he plays all the characters except for Elaine. He has a, a another person that plays Elaine. He does the voice as well, and it's just like I could. I think what's even funnier is like I could hear George in these situations, like with Tinder dates and things like. That. <laughs> like I'm like I could totally hear George in these, and I'm God. I wish I was in on the on the Seinfeld craze when it was out. It took me a long time to get into Seinfeld, <laughs> but when I did. Oh man, but yeah, he he does that. But yeah, that's the thing to do now. People making multi to tell a, a long, although with Seinfeld, it's there is really no it's it's, it's just not about anything. Yeah, it's just situations strung together. Yeah, things happen, <laughs> but there's no overall. <laughs> just things are happening. So yeah, um, that's why I, I well I I never got into Seinfeld, but I could if it was um, rerunning on TV, I could just start. Or, you know, I think it's... It's on Netflix now. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, oh, I could just... I could start at season three, and I yeah. feel like I wouldn't miss it. Yeah, you <laughs> wouldn't actually miss anything. You have not. You have not. <laughs> um, But uh, back to the this concert going yeah, experience, which has changed. Is, uh, an indie artist, Jay Solomon, uh, an indie artist, he said, or she said, I'm not sure. Uh, I have a lot of artist friends who have talked about the difficulties... <clears throat> of performing more recently with fans insisting on them taking their be real photo or taking a selfie with the crowd on the fans camera. I do often think about how we respond to a phone or camera getting thrown on stage. Oh, Steve Lacey, that's what I was thinking of, mm. who took the phone and just threw it on the ground and destroyed it. Um, and everyone took the I think everyone took the clip out of context, not understanding what led to this moment. Like don't just do don't just do that. Like yeah, that's mm. Well, yeah. If you're if you're throwing things, if it's a phone, like if you throw a phone, that could hurt. If you throw a phone, <laughs> that could hurt. If it doesn't hit the person, expect it to get destroyed. Because <laughs> apparently they believe you used it as a weapon. Yeah. Um. So it's uh it says perhaps Lacey's camera smashing is symbolic of a much larger issue of frustration with the generation whose hive mind mentality is fueled by a main character mindset and the artists who are tiring of it. Chronically online is the other thing I've heard it being called. This, but this main character thing? Yeah, everyone's the main their own main character. Man. Uh I think that's just <clears throat> that's just another phrase for uh self centered. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, like, I guess it feels weird to call everyone self-centered because <laughs> I think social is, media is, has made us that way. It's – is it oxymoronic or ironic or whatever to say everyone's the main character? Which That isn't true. In their life they are. That's <laughs> why their, you see in, people with the, you know, taking the selfies. I mean, as, as someone who used to be as vain as I was when I was <laughs> in better shape and everything – you start to kind of realize after a while, like, no one's listening to you. Mm-mm. Like, no, like, every now and then someone might, you know, but it's like for the most part, you know, it, it, I don't know. It's weird. I've, I've never been an influencer. I don't know how that how that feels, you know. 
I can imagine if you're successful, it probably feels because it's instant gratification. Yeah. Unlike anything we've ever had in history. Like if you were a celebrity in the 90s, the only way you could get instant gratification is if you went out and got mobbed at like a public place. Now, if you're if you're a celebrity with like just a million followers, but they're like dedicated, you can get instant gratification. So that main character mindset, people wanting to post things, go viral. Just that reminds me of there's this um, I can't remember the guy's name. I think he's also gotten to that like social media influencer <clears throat> transition into boxing uh, thing. Uh, but, uh, apparently that that is that has become a thing. Such a path. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I know there was an issue with him on it was either on Instagram or like the early days of TikTok or when it was Musically or whatever. Oh man, um, <laughs> he was taking scenes from films and TV shows mm-hmm. and lip syncing to them, like performing those scenes. Interesting. And okay. he was. It was popular, and but when people were like, people questioned it, like, how is this popular? Like, he's not, yeah, he's, he's not, not doing, doing anything. anything. He's not adding anything to it. It's not a parody. And he comes back. He's like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm an actor. You know, this is, this is what I do. Like, what, what is it that you're doing? Actually, <laughs> you're lip syncing these other scenes. Like, we don't hear your voice. We hear the audio of that particular. Uh, mm-hmm. film or TV show. And okay, you're an actor, but this isn't this isn't acting. You're a silent act, a silent movie actor. <laughs> at best. At best. Uh but they're that I, that's what the main character mindset reminds me of. Like you think you're doing something but you're not. But, you're not. Yeah. but but that's the thing though, but are they? Because getting is getting is getting the desired goal which is likes and comments and engagement. So it's kind of like you're not doing anything, but, but, but does it doesn't matter. Your, you know? your audience is dumb, too. I know that's yeah, probably not a great no. thing to say. No, it is a great thing to say. But your audience is stupid. Your <laughs> audience is stupid to think that you're putting out some kind of art or that you're, um, or, or that you're, that you're actually performing when all you're doing is lip-syncing this movie or TV show. It's like, have you seen... Um, uh, Poorly. By What's the, way? the movie Poorly. with Dak Shepard and 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 Luke Wilson? Idiocracy. Yeah, it's like the movie Ass. <laughs> it's like literally doing nothing, but it doesn't matter because it made a ton of money and won awards. So it's like, was it one person's ass or was it? Yeah, it's just the same ass on screen for ninety minutes. Yeah, and it just it swept the Oscars <laughs> and made a ton of money, and it's just I feel like, like that's what we're turning into. Yeah, like it's it is happening. Yeah. Everyone. That movie has become more and more real to me in the last ten years. I watch it. I watch it pretty often. Like it's one of my favorite movies, um, just because of how just absurd it is, and just to kind of look and see where we're headed, and that it is kind of you're right. We're kind of becoming that. It's just very funny. Weren't they like putting Gatorade on the plants because of the yeah? They called it Bron- Brondo, but yeah, it's got what it's got what plants crave: electrolytes. <laughs> That's and someone's like, and he's like, Luke's like, what are electrolytes? It's what plants crave, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you can't say. <laughs> I, hold on, have you seen the movie? Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I didn't know okay. if it, I didn't know if it was a different brand. But I know it was like it looked like okay. This yeah, it was is Gatorade. essentially Gatorade. They call they couldn't say that or Mike Judge would have gotten sued. But yeah, of course. 
But yeah, because even though they did call, was it Mountain Dew, Camacho, or something like that, the president's, Terry Crews' character? Wasn't his middle name? Yeah, Camacho, Mountain Dew, something <laughs> or another. Yeah. So I guess they weren't afraid of getting sued by Mountain Dew. <laughs> but that's, I mean, like, that's what it kind of reminds me of a movie about just an ass on screen farting. And people are like, that's hilarious. You could ask, what are you doing? Nothing, but people like it for some reason. So, yeah. um, but it doesn't always cross. And definitely, like with Vine, it didn't. It doesn't always cross over into film and TV, even though some people have gotten it's some really roles. Really wanted to, and people really wanted but it's, to. But it was like one or two people, and mm-hmm. they're not that good. Yeah. Um, those who are basically they've turned the what they do on YouTube to they're making fully produced. Well, what they look great as far as short films, mm-hmm. like they make five to ten minute films. Someone made a, a couple of uh, like series. Yeah, that even takes though, some like, talent though on YouTube. Even though a lot of the a lot of the content is the same, and what I mean is like the premise is always the same. Someone, mm-hmm. if they if they're out, if this group of people that you know they live out in L.A. and live in the same apartment complex or something, but it's always <laughs> Someone cheating. Oh, these types of videos. Yeah. yeah. Someone cheating, somebody breaking up, or um, someone was, when you find out uh, he's a porn star or she's a porn mm-hmm. star, it's like something like premises like that. I mean, Darman is made of, of freaking. Dar- Darman, like that's an, a totally an different animal. That's like a totally made an, different like, animal. Yeah. Always like, don't. Basically, all his videos are don't judge people. <laughs> and the way that, like, don't judge people, it's always someone who, like, judges someone immediately. Just har- as just harshly. And as harshly as possible. Yeah. <laughs> just, like, you overreact and just, like, and then you just get the shock of your life. It's like someone brings their lunch to school. Oh, he must be poor. <laughs> Look at the poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, he's poor. Oh, he's poor. Poor man. And then you man, find out, like, guy, find out I own the company. The own- <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Like, these just over the top, just, yeah. That, yeah. Uh, there's there's this one uh, channel that I followed who, uh, well, basically, like, multiple of the commentary, another genre on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, made videos about Dharma when they started to take off. Mm-hmm. They were getting millions, and they still get millions and millions and of I views. I don't know who's watching these things. Well, the ones watching is it, they're being watched around the world, and they're made because and the why the yeah, dialogue it, seems yeah. so elementary is because it's for people whose English isn't their first language. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, someone made like a well, one there was one um, YouTuber who got to meet Darman and wrote a wrote a, a sketch really for Darman. And he had to go through a couple of drafts because the dialogue was too complicated at first. Interesting. <laughs> so okay. he had to like dial it back to make it work. Um, and then there was another uh, another one who <laughs> created a game called Darman Bingo because they make it's always like a lot of the same oh, things in every sketch. Like uh, there's almost always a reference to a PS5 or an iPhone. Oh, this has got to be a party thing uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh, someone uh someone's judged very hard someone's very prejudiced uh unfairly um 
there's always like a kid who's just a jerk <laughs> or and then at the same sketch a kid who's very understanding mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh and then the darman cameo that's also yeah. part of it <laughs> I might make this a because I think I I'm not even ashamed to say I'm I'm pretty sure I've subscribed to him. I don't watch the videos unless I just feel like having a good laugh. But <laughs> and there are like I said there are, I think I mentioned it. Um, I think we had Aisha on where there are lots of clones of Darman. Oh yeah, yeah. and I told you about the the when they tried to CGI <clears throat> uh, Denzel Washington into one of their sketches. Oh god, <laughs> and it's like a Snapchat filter. Wow. <laughs> Okay, back to this article. Um, yes, yes, Okay, yes. so uh, songs, like it says, equally while viral songs like Doja Cat's Say So or K-Camp's Renegade uh, might get people revved up online, it's worth investigating how they're received in real life. Over the summer months, it was reported that audience members <clears throat> at Beach House gigs kept leaving after hearing the viral TikTok smash <laughs> Space Song. Mm-hmm. Not sure which song that is. But, I don't know either. But but as far as thing. like if it's a song popular on TikTok, you go to the show after they hear the song, people leave. Yep. Uh, another clip on TikTok shows at a recent Omar Apollo gig where crowds me- crowd members remained seated until he played Evergreen. Another clip shows Steve Lacey clapping back against crowd for only knowing the words to the chorus for Bad Habit. And they said, at this point, I'm convinced that Lacey is being held against his will to complete his tour. <laughs> I, I, how, do, how does he deal with that? If they're throwing phones at him and only singing the chorus to Bad Habit and then possibly leaving after that yeah. song. I mean, that's the state of the music industry right now, though. I mean, it's unfortunate. And I, I could go on a diatribe, but I won't. But the internet, I, the internet is absolutely to blame for this. And it's like, how do you, how would the artists make money now? It's like, okay, you got a tour, but how do you keep the audience engaged for a yeah. concert now? Well, I don't, touring, I don't even think is, is the best way. It's really and the, exactly. social media engagement, you know, which creates touring environments like this to where they only know the viral part of your song, the, the one to two, you know, the oh, 10 or 20 second clip that's on TikTok. Well, like or like I mentioned with Ice Spice, does anyone know any other line of that song? And it's like, it's, it's <laughs> does like anyone know that any other awful line? Awful Catch Twenty Two, you know. So it's like, I mean, you could say that. Well, it's not like they're getting their money back if they leave after that one song that yeah, they know. I still made money off you. <laughs> <laughs> still, you still made money, but it's definitely. I could see if people had an issue with it not being fulfilling, yeah, because they. Um, you know, the, the crowd is dispersing in the middle of the show. Like, oh, we don't need to hear anything else. We just came to hear that song. Yeah. And then, but it then it just turns to, okay, why would you pay money to go see this show and just to hear that one song live? Like, what did it change for you? Like, was it, was it, did you have, was it a fulfilling experience for the concert goer to do that? Yeah. Well, I think to be fair too. Or did you just record yourself? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of that. been like that. So I think, honestly, what, what needs to happen is, rather than, because the focus, of course, right now is on the single, and there's no focus on putting out a lot of good quality material. Like, I'm willing to bet you, like, somebody who's putting out a lot of good quality material doesn't have to worry about this. Like, this makes me think of that episode of The Simpsons 
where Homer goes to see Homer's at like a fair and Bachman Turner Overdrive is playing. <laughs> and he just wants them to play taking care oh, of business. Yeah. And to get to the, the working uh, overtime. Work overtime yeah. Part. So it's like, you know, <laughs> which I think he really likes Randy Bachman because there's another episode where the Who are playing in Springfield. He gives them a list of songs. He's like, most of these songs are by Grand Funk Railroad. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're trying to say something, but I, I feel like that's kind of like if you if you're just known for one song, like, yeah, I know that this this era does not produce a lot of, and I'm using air quotes here, one hit wonders. But I do think that this era is like this era is like the '80s, where it is producing a lot of one hit wonders, and that's because of TikTok. So while they might not be charting one hit wonders like the traditional one hit wonder, they're basically known for one song or, or even less, one part of one song. You know, yeah. Like I think of that. What's that? Living in a big blue world. I know, baby, ayo, ayo, okay. Like, who knows anything else of that I don't song? I know what song that is. Yeah, couldn't tell you the name of the song. <laughs> couldn't tell you the name of the artist. But I guarantee you, like, that is the that is the modern day definition now of a one hit wonder, because that's all they're known for right now. Yeah, and and that's, uh, I guess, more unfortunate for the artist because it's like. You're not known for that one song. You're known for that one lyric. Mm-hmm. You're known for that snippet on TikTok. Yep, that's used. Yep. Um, I see what what TikTok and Instagram do as far as reels or, or TikToks, where if you want to put that song in your video, they go direct. That like you pick that song and it takes you to that. It's part. marked at the point where that other people use. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, Ninety-four the seconds into the into the song, <laughs> yeah. Like I want it where it starts. No, you want this part. Yeah, <laughs> and then that does, and that doesn't even take into account the people who will make like the weird remixes and mashups and things like that yeah. of the songs where they'll speed it up or they'll slow it down or they'll mash it up with something and else. And not only do that, they will if it doesn't say like original audio for that particular user, mm-hmm. it would look it would be another song. Yeah. By a different artist, all by together. a different artist altogether, yeah. and it's not even the same title. Yeah, it's whatever lyric that was. If it's not the same as the song, mm-hmm. so they try to make it a whole new song, and now they're making. It. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's creative, but it's 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 like I'm not I'm not sure how I feel about what it's doing to the music industry. Yeah. So, yeah. Um. Also, in this article. It has a, a 2021 Billboard analysis found that post-lockdown concert com- comeback was heavily driven by Gen Z consumers either purchasing a ticket for the first time or generally eager to participate in public events. With that in mind, we're seeing hordes of teenagers at shows who spent their formative years locked inside and chronically online <laughs> with no opportunity to get to grips with gig etiquette. Without sounding too old man yells at cloud, this could be part of the problem. Absolutely. Jay Solomon says there's a sort of nuanced etiquette to concerts that is unspoken and implicitly learned. So you can't really blame someone for not knowing how to act that they can, they they can finally go see their favorite artists live in concert. Um, Indeed. Some might say artists aren't allowed to be annoyed at the same fans who are supporting them, (laughs) but by the same logic, fans might also be entering a venue with a set of expectations or perhaps entitlement. It's more entitlement that the artist will deliver an experience that is simply too overwhelming or draining for the person on stage. It is worth pointing out that consumers aren't treated particularly well either. 
with companies like Ticketmaster and Live Nation hiking up ticket prices to unaffordable levels, it's no wonder audience members feel extra excited or entitled to the show of their lives. Yeah. What do you think of that? I 100% agree. Um, I think this speaks to the points that a lot of people are making about this new culture of working remotely. The fact that you've got a, you've got a culture in young millennials and Gen Zers who spend a lot of time on social media, you know, head buried in their phones or their computers or, or whatever their devices are, and they're not developing social skills, essentially. Um, and I, we're, we're seeing it. Like, in, 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 the, in the place that I work in, we're seeing it. People who don't know how to properly communicate. It's going to be really scary in 10 to 20 years yeah. if, if something doesn't change because a lot of the people, like they said, they were they were they're in lockdown. Now they're being released upon the world, and they have no social skills. Um, imagine taking that to the workplace. <laughs> you know, they don't know. People don't know how to act. So that's why I am. You know, as much as I like working from home, it's, it's fun. I do think if we're going to a allow millennials to get back some of their social skills, and b teach Gen Zers. And I guess also Gen Alpha social skills. You need to you need to get in front of people and talk. Yeah. Um, this and this is just a microcosm, I think, of what is happening elsewhere. Yeah, I think uh, that is going to be <clears throat> a major thing. Um, and not to say to we can blame it on probably part of that on millennial parents. Yeah. Um, who, like I said, I feel like a lot of and it's on certain topics, certain issues. Uh, some, I think a lot of millennial millennial parents would rather just hide the thing rather than talk about the thing Yeah, and explain <laughs> what it is. And even if they, even if the kid doesn't understand, they could, you know, the parent could allow for questions. Now, I'm not trying to tell people how to parent. I'm really not. <laughs> and that, but, but that's what they'll say. Like, but that, I, yeah, they go, they go say that anyway. But, I think a lot of a lot of things, a lot of you know something like this, lack of social skills, or why you know um, kids may not understand uh, certain things about people or not have any compassion for other people, is because you tried to hide the thing instead of talking to your kid and teaching them how to respect it and and, and to, to it. and to have some form of respect and decorum and etiquette. Yeah. Uh, so, um, I'm not saying that's the problem, but I, that's, I think that's part of that, that will go into, you know, how, what we see or what we, you know, what we read about, about concert going, mm -hmm. um, like who, who's, who said that was a good idea to throw your phone on the stage or to yell out mommy dirt while someone's singing a particular song that is so completely... Lack of maturity, like <laughs> you don't have Tourette's. You want to say you do. Yeah. Uh, I saw this video the other day of uh, this girl being told to her mom's telling her to move out, and or to or to get a job and to and to move out of the house. And mm -hmm. she's in her late twenties, maybe. And she's saying that she can't because of her schizophrenia. I'm like. And she's recording herself doing this, recording this conversation with her and her mom. Mm. And I'm just thinking, you you don't have schizophrenia. 
Yeah, let's be more respectful. You're, <laughs> you're saying you have that. You're using mental health to get sympathy. Your mom probably knows you're doing that. And uh, she's she's tired of it. Yeah. <laughs> she's she's sick of she's sick yeah. of your of your nonsense on this. And I think that's also a thing where, you know, trying to make yourself seem like something that you're maybe not, but just to get those likes and those mm -hmm. comments and those clicks. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's a, that's another part of the main main character mindset, which is mm -hmm. just uh, yeah. ridiculous. Uh, so I don't know how concert going can get better or to make people understand as far as showing proper etiquette um, and really just enjoying the experience. Like for me, yeah, I've been to concerts that I've took, taken on my phone mm -hmm. to record a video but I do that maybe like two or three times during this hour and a half, two hour show. Mm -hmm. But then I put the phone in my pocket. I'm and not live just in the moment. <laughs> I, I like I, I and a lot of times, um, you know, like when we went to Las Vegas, I didn't take a whole lot of pictures mm -hmm. only because these are my experiences with my friends. Yeah. I can tell people about it. It's not the same mm -hmm. as not as, you know, as with pictures, but I, the pictures aren't going to tell the same story for me. Yeah. It just have to be something that, you know, uh, this was an experience that I enjoyed and I will remember and treasure or whatever yeah. <laughs> for mm -hmm. the rest of my life. Like these are, these are my experiences. So, you know, um, on the, the next vacation or wherever, I probably still won't take a lot of pictures just because I want to be in that moment. Yeah. It's important for me to be in the moment and to have the experience and that will, that could affect my life, even if it's in a small way. Mm -hmm. But being in the moment is important for me, Yeah, but it's clearly not for a lot of other for people. others. <laughs> Gen Zers are acting like boomers and having the 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 camcorder attached to their, you know, like, all right, say hello. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to document my life in that way. Yeah. Um, and even if I take pictures, I'm not posting them like yeah. immediately. Mm -hmm. I don't want people to know where I am all the time. <laughs> I know it's like, well, you're not even famous. Yeah, I know, but <laughs> something could still happen. Something could still happen. Someone, someone I don't know might be watching you me. You never know who your ops is. You see, Just never know exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, that'll do it for music news. So uh, before we get to the charts, we'll get to our cover song of the week. Um, so uh, Spotify exclusive singles are a lot of times very interesting. Yeah, me. yeah. Uh, so this time, uh, a lot there's uh there's this cover of uh, well it's called "Do for Love," but it's the Bobby Caldwell Ooh, song. Good song, good song. Uh, this is sung by Snow Allegra, uh, who I've started to get into recently. Um, like I said, is a Spotify 
Spotify single, so exclusively on Spotify, and we'll listen to that right now, and we'll be right back. For Love by Snow Allegra, cover of Bobby Caldwell. And uh, yeah, there's still no playlist for this. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's part of the fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, y'all can find that somewhere. Just look it up. Look at the show notes and see the title and then you can find it. Yeah, I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm trying to find the um, number one single since our last episode. Okay, here we go. So our last episode was November 28th. Let's bring us back on the screen here. So the number one song was Antihero by Taylor Swift. Uh, that was number one for two more weeks. And then, of course... Mariah Carey takes over for December. <laughs> All I want for Christmas is you is number one for three weeks. Hmm. And then going to 2023, it was one more week for Mariah Carey and then back to anti-hero by Taylor Swift. So currently Taylor Swift is number one on the billboard hot 100. I don't think you've even heard the song. I haven't either. Um, is that the song she's trying to get nominated for an Oscar? But I, I didn't like that. I, I listened to a couple of tracks from this album, and it just wasn't very good. Uh, yeah. On the For the rest of the top ten, number two was Unholy by Sam Smith and King Petrus. 
Uh, Sam Smith is, I don't know if he started the tour or is in the midst of the, of his U.S. tour for his new album, which should be out next week, I think. Okay. Uh, number three, Kill Bill by SZA. Number four, I'm Good, <laughs> Blue by David Guetta and B.B. Rexa. So it's moving up. <laughs> uh, number five, Rich Flex by Drake and 21 Savage. Number six, Creepin' by Metro Boomin featuring The Weeknd and 21 Savage. Number seven, As It Was by Harry Styles. Number eight, Die For You by The Weeknd. Number nine, Bad Habit by Steve Lacey. And number 10, Cuff It by Beyonce. This is the highest it's charted. Uh, and that's definitely because of TikTok. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, let's look at the albums that were uh, number one during our time away. Uh, give me a second to pull that up. Um, here we go. All right, so since when uh, our last episode, Midnight's by Taylor Swift was number one, and then uh, Heroes and Villains by Metro Boomin was number one, and then SZA, SOS, uh, was number one, and as of right now, it is still number one. So SZA has the number one album, and let's look at the rest of the top 10. Number two, Midnight's by Taylor Swift. Number three, Heroes and Villains by Metro Boomin. Number four, Her Loss by Drake and 21 Savage. Number five, uh, Un Verano Senti by Bad Bunny. So A Summer Without You has moved into the winter. <laughs> Number six, Still Hanging Around, Dangerous the Double Album by Morgan Wallen. Still have not heard a single song off of that album. <laughs> number seven, debuting at number seven, spinoff from the Witness EP by ATs. Um, who is ATs? Mm. If this is a K-pop group. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it is a K-pop group. Um, they have eight members, so on the low side. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> number eight. American Heartbreak by Zach Bryan. Number nine, It's Only Me by Lil Baby. And number 10, Harry's House by Harry Styles. And let's look at the Artist 100. Um, let's see if I can pull up what the Artist 100 was uh, before. Uh, Billboard charge. Here we go. Artist 100. Um, okay, it doesn't have a history, so we'll just go by what it is right now. So it is still Taylor Swift, who was number one last week at the very least. She is number one this week. Number two is SZA. Number three, Morgan Wallen. Number four, The Weeknd. Number five, Harry Styles. Entering the top 10 this week, ATs. <laughs> number seven, Drake. Number eight, Luke Combs. Number nine, Bad Bunny. And number 10, 21 Savage. I, I just wonder, because what Taylor Swift came out back when we were still in college, I would have never looked at her and been like, yeah, one day she'll be one of the biggest, like she'll be like a top five biggest star in the world. I would have never seen that. 
that's just that's just wild to me. Like some people had that trajectory. You can see that's what they're going for. Would have never guessed it. That, and that just no. blows my and, mind. And not this like, you know, because uh, we had an episode about how artists change their style, like mm-hmm. basically change genres. Um, I didn't see pop star nope. Taylor Swift. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I thought she might have been a big country star, but not not to cross over yeah, into pop like this. Not like this. Yeah. So just interesting. Just to, just, you know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, did we did we miss anything in music news? Mm-mm. Okay, so we can. Uh, um. Oh, Madonna's going back on tour. No, no. She looked different now. It's weird. What she'll ever do? A I think she got tour. a BBL. Oh Lord, no. Wow. Uh-uh. Oh, I will say this though, and it wasn't it didn't chart in the top ten. I don't know if it did chart in the top ten, but I did see it's been released. Now that's what I call music. Oh Jesus. Where are we where, where are we at now? <laughs> um I think we're at 113. Jesus. Wait, is that no, that's a different Somebody on TikTok was like, the original Now Music lineup <laughs> felt old. <laughs> <laughs> it's got like Imagine, Shawty, You Keep Playing With My Mind, and Fastball The Way, Janet Jackson Together Again, Backstreet Boys As Long As You Love Me. Just, it's, you just feel old listening to these songs. Oh, man. Yeah. Harvey Danger, Flagpole Sitter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I that think is, ever that's clear. high school. Uh, Father of Mine, I Father think, is mine. on there. Yeah, or Santa. Well, no, it 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 would have been Father of Mine when we were same like rhythm. Doom doom dig it ding doom, or like doom 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 dig it doom doom. Like Everclear, they they only had like you know <laughs> a couple of rhythms they knew. <laughs> That's all they had, man. Okay, so okay, the UK has their own series. They're at one thirteen. Okay. Um, let me see where the U.S. is now because it's got to be what twenty four years. I want to think I got that in nineteen ninety nine. So it's been about twenty three years. Twenty three, twenty four years. So, uh, the U.S. they're at eighty four. Wow, eighty four came out in October. You better catch up. <laughs> I wonder who's buying these. Like, what's the point? Is it like it's got to be like grandmothers who still think that like cd players are something yeah because i feel like i still i see them at target like i wouldn't even stream this on spotify i just go to a playlist and they've tried to like mix it up i guess by having these other compilation albums like last year they had now that's what i call music classic rock 90s alternative rock i don't know what's on there uh i feel like sister christian's got to be on the classic rock one i don't know why Right, fog hat. Uh, Slow ride. <laughs> uh, Boston. <laughs> Basically, the days to confuse soundtrack is the classic oh, rock. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> oh man. Okay, so that'll do it for our music news. Um, <laughs> Sex and candy. <laughs> um, bop. Oh man, what a this is. I'm looking at the first one. 1998 is when it came out. They've been they've been at this for a while, y'all. Do you remember the, because uh, I, I just saw it, 
the uh, hip hop one called Off the Hook. I I didn't know there was a one called Off the Hook. Yeah, I gotta look that up now. That was um. That was the. Uh, the hip hop one. Okay, this is what now Off the Hook. This was this is when we graduated from high school. Welcome to Atlanta. Oh boy. Uh huh. By B two K. Take you home by Little Bow Wow. <laughs> Bouncing back by Mystical. Uh, I'm real. It's J Lo and John. <laughs> one mic. <laughs> and they were all edited. This, this, this I, was all like edited. That, I was like that one mic. That's some heat, but it's yeah. I'm sure it's edited. <laughs> Glenn Lewis, Kiki Wyatt, Andy oh, wow. Re. Was it? Hold on, was it video by Andy Ari? Andy, of course. Video, yep. Of course. <laughs> uh, Angie Stone. Oh, wow. Wish I Didn't Miss You. Uh, That's a great song. Uh, Son of a Gun by Janet Jackson. Lap Dance by <laughs> D. Lights, Camera, Action. <laughs> Mr. Sorry, Cheeks. Miss Jackson. Oh, man. That's a good one. <laughs> Petey Pablo. Oh, God. These are just. I'm getting taken back. I'm getting taken <laughs> back. Uh, these songs were played at our proms. Well, at least at mine. I don't know about yours. Uh, <laughs> I, mine was more pop. I went to a very, very um, um, not black high school. So <laughs> some of this was played, but like there's also a lot of like I think like Love Shack played as well. So you know, which you know you think about that now how old that song is then. But geez, we're so old that back then it was like you know oh, there this was is a like lot a ten year old song. There was a lot of. <laughs> These songs played at my prom, and um, then they threw on, uh, and you can ask Aisha, they threw on Nookie, Limp Biscuit. I don't, randomly, Nookie I was playing. I wish they played prom. Nookie at my prom. <laughs> oh, man. That would have been dope. That, I had that CD, y'all. I'm not even ashamed to say it. I didn't have that one. I had the the one after. Hot chocolate Starfish. water? Yeah. Chocolate, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get my mom to understand she just didn't get it like she she would play it like in the car like she put the cd in and she's just like what's my son listening to <laughs> like she just did not get it <laughs> oh man okay um tell us about your earworm of the week um so i heard this song where i hear all new k-pop songs at a korean barbecue restaurant um i it doesn't sound like a k-pop song and maybe that's why I, I gravitated towards it. I've heard it um, referred to as KRMB, but it is a song called Ohio by an artist called Crush. I don't think it has anything to actually do with the state of Ohio. I think it's just kind of like a thing, a phrase that he says in the song. But it's a really, really creative sounding song. All right. So this is Ohio by Crush, and we will be right back. Yeah, let's go, one, two, three, uh. I've been dancing till the morning on my own My chance of car, go to my child, but I'll be got the know that we're locked, oh, yeah The lights are gone, I'm in there, I'm going out again So the dark and more than I part of my own, I believe it up, so I'm alright, I'm feeling 
single and he also has a song called let me with devin morrison i've been trying to figure out who played bass on that um who played i want to find out who played piano too but yeah like i love that bass is just mm. so you can find that on our btt yht earworms playlist on spotify right now okay so uh we started this episode with the medley from the 68 comeback special by Elvis Presley and we are talking about the film Elvis uh, which came out last year as I said Austin Butler won um, best uh, actor at the Golden Globes for in the drama category um, Elvis did not win best drama best motion picture drama that went to the Fablemans <laughs> um I was a little surprised that uh, Tom Hanks was not nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Same. I would have assumed that he would be. Um, He did one of those, um, I transformed myself (laughs) for this part. Yeah. (laughs) Like he was, I mean, he was, other than maybe his eyes, he was pretty much unrecognizable. He's probably going to be nominated for an Oscar. He probably won't win, but Mm -hmm. I think he'll be nominated for an Oscar because it's Tom Hanks. Yeah. He's... Just like with how Meryl Streep, anytime she does anything, <laughs> yeah, she's going to be nominated. It's kind of the same with Tom Hanks. It doesn't happen as often with Tom Hanks, but if it's a decent movie, yeah, at least a decent movie, he'll get nominated. Like he got nominated for playing Mister Rogers. Mm-hmm. He wasn't going to win, but it was nice to you know just to have. Him. <laughs> um, so uh, this movie came out last year. Um. A lot uh, directed by Boz Lerman, and so we knew he was gonna Boz Lerman it up. This was my first Boz Lerman movie. Uh, this is the fourth one I've seen. I have seen Romeo and Juliet. Uh, I made it a few minutes into The Great Gatsby, 
I made it a few minutes at the Moulin Rouge. <laughs> I think he's got okay, so I think he's got more movies than I'm aware of because I know he did Moulin Rouge. I've seen the scene where they did the Tango to Roxanne. Mm-hmm. Did he do Chicago or no? That wasn't him. Okay, then I, I've only seen part of a movie by Bob <laughs> Lerman. Okay. Um, so he's known for his um, frenetic style as far as editing and mm, then with the yeah. stylistic choices, um, anachronistic music, mm-hmm. <laughs> as you would say, because uh, there was a scene where, okay, that's clearly Doja Cat. I knew by new Doja, that song was on the soundtrack, yeah. but they, they put it in the movie. It's supposed to be, you know, 1956 or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it flowed But he did that with Great Gatsby as well, his remake of that. Flowed perfectly in the scene where she's doing the song, and then it just flows into Doja Cat. It's like, okay, I see, what, see what you're doing here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it it this uh, Vegas by Doja Cat samples Hound Dog, so they mm-hmm. they made that connection. Um, so let's get into it. I got I got some notes. So course. do I. Uh, the thing I was worried about of what this movie was going to be was telling the story from Colonel Tom's point of view. <laughs> this is exactly what I was worried about. Like, this, I don't know how good this movie's actually going to be because you're telling it from his point of view. Yeah. So it's going to be a skewed perspective, and it's going to be more about Colonel Tom than making Ellis. Him the, making him the victim. And, and, and making him a victim or a sympathetic figure. Yeah. I was worried about that. Yeah. Um, that's why I, like, I'm hesitant to see uh, I Want to Dance with Somebody. Because I feel like the movie's probably going to be more about Clive Davis Told from than his perspective. Mm. Then they get, is it Stanley Tucci playing him? Yeah. It's going to be hard to root against him, man. I know. Like, I Stanley really Tucci's like great. Stanley Tucci. Yeah, he's awesome. He's great. But I feel like it's going to be Clive Davis's story. Why'd you get such a likable person <laughs> <laughs> to, be, to be Clive Davis? Okay. All right. Well, hey, you know. Um. So, I... So uh, getting into the into the film where Colonel Tom hears Elvis and while uh, Jimmy Rogers, uh, no, Jimmy Hank, Rogers Hank Snow, Snow yeah. well, his son, yeah, uh, Jimmy gets the Elvis record that's been all over the radio in this area. And Sam Phillips had been trying to get black artists out there because he plays right. Ra- he makes race. He records. makes race records. And basically, y'all. Race records is black any <laughs> basically any song by a black artist is called was a considered race. a race then, record. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. they think it like it was about being black. I mean, yeah. not necessarily all the time. Yeah, but if it, if the person was black, it was called a race, race record. record. <laughs> and um, Sam Phillips was a owner of Sun Studios, yes. a famous well, not a famous, but I guess now it's famous. Studio now it's famous just because of who recorded yeah. there. In Memphis, he recorded a lot of black artists because he had a love for the blues and gospel and soul, things like that. So they thought that Elvis was black (laughs) when he came, when he was coming out. And I think that kind of goes to, although I don't think he says in the movie, but Tom Parker was known for saying, if I could find a white man that can sing the blues like a black man. He didn't. He didn't say that. I think they made it seem like it. Like he was inferring it though heavily. Yeah, it was. <laughs> they, it it came off as uh, when like he knew what Sun Records was. Like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, they make the you know the race records with the colored people. Yeah. And then Jimmy says, "Oh, but this guy's white, 
and it just clicked. It just, yeah. Like, <laughs> it was just a, a light bulb. Just went off. <laughs> I, I I saw that rise. I saw this uh, video. You ever see those videos where like someone is high and then they say all these like, they say these things are like are supposed to like blow your mind. These mm-hmm. are like high thoughts. He's like. The, the idea for a light bulb was such a good idea that it became the symbol for, for a good life. idea. <laughs> um, but yeah, it clicks with Tom Parker to find this kid. Yeah. Um, but I, I wondered because we, we talked about this before, like, way back. I way. guess to Ooh. me, <laughs> to me, the, the Elvis sound black. So. I think listening with 2023 ears or just modern day ears. I think because we, we have too much history on him that it's impossible for us to say whether or not he did. Or yeah. Because he he clearly liked these artists. He was he was emulating them as best he could, you know. So back then, yeah, he probably he was probably like a like a Mark Roussard. Or, or I guess someone more recognized, but like a Robin Thicke. Like you wouldn't know. Like if you just heard Robin Thicke or Bobby, or Caldwell. Bobby Caldwell <laughs> or Michael McDonald. The people around Bobby Caldwell try to like play it up because he wasn't on his own album yeah. covers for a long time. You know, so if you, you when you're hearing artists like that for the first time, you're like, oh, clearly Bobby Caldwell, this guy who's singing what you want to do, for, he's a black guy. And then you see him and he's like the furthest thing. <laughs> So it's kind of like, you know, same thing with with Michael McDonald. So I imagine hearing him back then and not seeing him. Yeah, you could probably be like, yeah, he sounds like a black dude. And he's singing songs that most white guys won't touch. Like he goes to the studio. Sam feels like, how you know this song? Because he's not supposed to. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so. Because I I thought about that with with them saying that. And um, you probably referenced it on this podcast before, the scene from American Psycho. Where, oh. <laughs> where uh, Huey the, Lewis. the detective asks, hey, do you like Huey Lewis in the news? And even though Patrick Bateman's character loves Huey Lewis in the mm-hmm. news, he's like, oh, he's a he's a little too black sounding for me. <laughs> it's like, does Huey Lewis sound black? I imagine in the 80s, maybe he's taking. A lot of people thought he, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of people said that then. Oh, for real? Okay. That he that he sounded black and that Rick Astley sounded black. I thought Rick Astley was black <laughs> as a kid. I would have sworn <laughs> to you listening to Rick Astley. I was like, that's a fat black dude, man. It's just, so I was wondering, like, can, no can they sound black? Like, do like do they? I don't. I, I but maybe it's because of I'm hearing it with my yeah. modern day ears well, that I can't yeah. make that distinction. I will say that the first time I heard It's All Right um, by the cover that he did of the Curtis Mayfield song, acapella version, I did not put two and two together that that was Huey Lewis in the news. I, I thought that was a black. That song. You've never heard the acapella version of it? No. Oh! After the show, you must, it's, I didn't even know it was them. Like the whole band sings, sings it. It's great. And it's just straight acapella. Like some like some boys and men joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I I I hadn't heard that. Yeah. Okay, so, um, uh, Colonel Tom, basically a, a carny. Um, yeah, I guess you could say. That. Damn! Oh, that hurts. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he took this all the way. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, he he used what he learned in the circus to make to make Elvis a star. It's like a mean John Hammond. Like he just rode Jurassic Park to to death. <laughs> wow. Um, so they uh, kind of have the flashback of Elvis as a child. I, I I the only thing I had the only it's not an issue. It was just something that I saw. Like okay, these things did not happen like this to where. Okay, you're outside with your friends, his black friends, because those are his only friends. Yeah, um, <laughs> they, they moved to the. Maybe the, they did that on purpose. The like, white project. Yeah, <laughs> but they uh, they hear someone performing like at the bar, which is like ten feet away. Yeah, the two joint. Yeah, <laughs> the two joint is like okay, ten feet away. And there's just a big hole in the side. And there's a hole in the side they where can they can look. see. So you hear that, <laughs> but then like. 50 yards behind the juke joint. It's a revival is the, tent. It's the revival tent. <laughs> oh, that made me laugh. <laughs> so, um, but I think that, and it was kind of mentioned, I, I wrote this during the scene, but then it was kind of uh, mentioned later on in the in the film. I think with the, the 68 comeback special uh, scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only difference between rock and roll and gospel was subject matter. Yeah, yeah. He, say, he straight up says it. He gives... <laughs> He gives that he 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 gives credit where credit is due. Rock and roll ain't nothing but the blues and gospel. Yeah, straight up says it. So, um, which is what we. That's say. why we say <laughs> all music is black. Music is all black. <laughs> Blackity black black black. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, so when um, I guess the first show that we see of him performing, um, it was. Uh, for those who didn't catch it, this is how a lot of live footage was. A lot of concerts went to where it was also on the radio live. Mm-hmm. So that first show where he's got on the pink suit, that was also being broadcast on the radio. The Louisiana Hayride. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> I think it was like he was so nervous. And he's like, okay, he's ready to perform. Like, he gets out all there. He's like, okay, he's ready to go. It's like, oh, this guy wants to talk to me? <laughs> That's what it looked like. Like, oh, you want me to say stuff? I was just get ready. <laughs> he's like, are you done? Like, like, anything else you want to say? say? <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> um, the le- and the leg shaking, of yeah. course, it's like the a foreshadow almost. <laughs> he used it. He used that. Yeah. <laughs> um, they want to see you wiggle. <laughs> So I wrote this because oh, I, it reminded God. of the uh, of like you see the reaction, especially of of the girls there. I think we probably wrote the same thing. Go ahead, go ahead. A lot of girls becoming women. Yes. <laughs> the scene. Well, because I was gonna say, remind me of the scene from the Five Heartbeats. Also. <laughs> yes. Girls becoming women. Yes. yes. A, a lot of that, um, and it was, I guess, <laughs> because it's, this reminded me of it. <laughs> It was an episode of, um, well, no, uh, I think we talked about this with our our uh, payola episode of how I think a lot of people started coming after Alan Freed, Dick Clark also, but more Alan Freed is because they a lot of people, especially like middle aged white men, thought that teen pregnancy was going up because they were going to these rock and roll shows, mm. <laughs> and the girls are getting pregnant. Mm. 
So I feel like that 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 like Elvis kind of got lumped into that same category in which what he's doing is dangerous. Mm-hmm. And it seems silly today. It really does. Yeah. But but then, you know, we got a lot of a lot of America was very conservative. Not Republican. It's conservative. But yeah. conservative. Uh in which that gyrating is putting things in these teenagers' heads. Yeah. What did he said? It made them feel things they didn't they know if they should enjoy. Right. And they, you could just see it on their. They got some great actors and actresses for this scene because, like, she was just sitting there, like, mm-hmm, just shaking, <laughs> like she didn't know that. They just all just start erupting and screaming, and and it's hard. And of course, like the older people couldn't interpret it because yeah. his Elvis's mom thinks they want to kill him. Oh God, his mom! <laughs> You're gonna, they're gonna kill my boy. So terrified for him. Um, that she was, she was probably one of the funnier parts of that, of that first show <laughs> where she goes and she grabs the jacket from that, from the one girl. Um, yeah, it was, it was very funny. Um, so, uh, they end up going on, on tour and everything. And this was before, like, I didn't know, like, there's a, there, there's a little Richard in the movie. Someone <laughs> playing little Richard. Yeah. But the thing like when they made a reference to the pink suit and the makeup, I just thought, but he, but I didn't know that Elvis had never met Little Richard yet. Mm-hmm. He hadn't met him yet. But I just thought, I'm sure Little Richard claimed Elvis stole wearing makeup. Wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Little Richard was quick to say somebody's like, I Somebody was original. <laughs> I taught him. They got it from me. So I'm sure Little Richard like claimed that. And, and probably like the way he did his hair. Mm-hmm. The shoes. Yeah, all of it. Yeah. All of it. Wearing pink suits, yeah, and then also um, James Thunder Early. <laughs> Who was the first one to wear a pink suit on stage? <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, so uh, and he was just, I guess, at the time he was just doing shows here and there, mm-hmm. uh, but then going out on tour. Um, Mama wasn't too fond of that. No, she was because she was worried about it. Yeah. I think at the time he's like nineteen. He's very young, like nineteen, twenty years old. Um, but at the time, doing music was always a risk. Yeah, it was always a risk because there were no guarantees with it. There was no stability with it, and there was so little known about the industry. So there were a lot of yeah, and then there were a lot, so there were a lot of parents who were like I don't want you to do it, mm-hmm. you know. Dad works at the mill or some plant mm-hmm. <laughs> where it's a steady paycheck every day. And when you're 18, That's if you're not true. going to school, you go into work yeah. in the plant with dad. Yeah. <laughs> so um, <laughs> it was always a risk at the time. So, you know, that's just what I got from her reaction. Yeah, he definitely didn't have stage parents. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was cool, but you want to do this for real? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, I was, I felt like the scene where, you know, um, Colonel Tom talks to Elvis on the Ferris wheel Mm -hmm. and talks about, okay, like we can make you a star, put you in Hollywood Mm -hmm. and then, you know, I can get you with the big record label. So RCA was their label at the time. I felt like them buying the sun contract couldn't have been that simple. 
Because it was like, okay, Sam Phillips was cool with, like, I understand, yeah. you know. I don't know. I, I, should, I, I, I just I felt like it was, like, it very simple. Yeah. And not a lot of Sam Phillips. Not a lot of reference not to a lot him, of him in this yeah. film. Which, kind of case in point, it being told from the viewpoint of Tom of Parker. Tom. Yeah, it's yeah. like, he probably didn't know much about um, Sam Phillips. Isn't going to talk, like... Carl Perkins, famous guitar player that played yeah. with um with with Elvis on those early records is not mentioned and at all. He is a he's considered a legend in music circles as a as a session musician and definitely someone who you it's hard to kind of tell the story or the early story of Elvis without Carl Perkins because of how influential he was. So, you know, even when he talks about later in the film and when you know, it's all right being the first song he ever cut, he only had a couple of musicians. Doesn't mention them by name. Probably because, you know, Tom Parker doesn't care. I don't care who <laughs> Carl Perkins is. I only care about is he calls him my boy. So Because it would have been who would who would have who would have it been on that on that song? I don't I don't remember who all was on all of the early ones. I just the name Carl Perkins is always uh Okay, that's all right. Um Okay, it would have been the Blue Moon Boys, which uh, is yeah. Scotty Moore and Bill Black. Um, oh yeah, so the the first recording, Scotty Moore, Bill Black on bass, and there was no drummer. Yeah, he said we only had a couple instruments. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah. Uh, that was. Uh, I, I, but yeah, I felt like them buying the contract wasn't that simple. But yeah. like you said, it was from Colonel Tom's point of view, so it's like almost didn't matter. Like yeah. we got the contract. That's the it was just the next thing. And make it sound as easy as it, you know. Yeah. Um, music started <laughs> at the time. Not allowed to have girlfriends or like not like because at the time you were dating and if y'all were still together after high school, yeah, <laughs> you got married. Watch out, ladies. He's taken. <laughs> That's all I thought about in that scene. Yeah. You know, you got to look available. You got to seem like, you know. Yeah. And uh, she just broke down. Like, yeah. good Lord. Like, that's overacting. <laughs> um, the merch. Just a uh, strategy as old as time, I guess. Yeah. No, like you merch. said, like, they're going to hate them. So, yeah. Regardless. <laughs> Let's make some money off of it. Um. So that's how Colonel Tom, he's influential in that way. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he was, he didn't do anything, but um, yeah. Um, the scene where the senator sees him performing on TV, you saw mm-hmm. how that little, how the boy was looking at the TV, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, like he was, I saw that. <laughs> I, I I noted here that um he is the 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 over the top racist that Bill Burr described. <laughs> That's what the senator Get out was. Of the pool. <laughs> like he's just like, why is he up there dancing around like a monkey? You know what he really meant. Or but, they cut it to uh when he was when he's going to turn the TV off. It's mm-hmm. like like dancing like a goddamn they cut it like a goddamn what, Boz? Boz Lerman. <laughs> Uh, goddamn what? <laughs> Bob Lerman's like, uh, 
I didn't make American racism, <laughs> but I'm not going to pretend it don't exist. However, we ain't going to say that word. <laughs> uh, yeah, they eat Negro. That's as far as he went. Yeah, he used Negro. He did. There was a Negro in there. Yeah. There was a Negro in there. But yeah, the ne- Negro and, and colored was thrown around fairly, fairly often. <laughs> Clearly, Quentin Tarantino didn't write this one. <laughs> um, the Steve Allen show, because they with the the performance that was seen that the senator had, you know, basically Where he was went gyrating after him. and moving. That was around. the Milton yeah. Burrow show. Yeah, and Milton Burrow, he's a comedian who's who is who probably has said said things that were far more inappropriate at the time. So yeah, <laughs> this was nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but performing on the Steve Allen show, quite different, uh, total opposite. Um, where basically, um, he was not going to be allowed to, uh, dance that way. And they wanted to present the new family style Elvis Presley in which he wore a tuxedo and sung to a and sung hound dog. dog to an actual dog. That was so corny, even for back then. Yeah, that was corny. And he was very embarrassed, did not like it. I can't say that I blame him. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think at that point, you, you start to see the struggle between him wanting to sing the music that he says for the whole movie that makes him happy. um, And what Colonel Tom Parker wants him to be. Colonel Tom Parker, I think, wants to tame him and make him more palatable. I think he wanted him to be like a Pat Boone, if you will. And it's like, that's not what you got him for, though. (laughs) Yeah, that's not what that's not what is selling or, or, you know, the reaction of this show isn't from him being Pat Boone. Yeah. He's being Little Richard. Even (laughs) B.B. King said it, you know, like, why are you trying to change? Like, we know why they come to see you. Yeah. So but Colonel Tom Parker you know, and we find out later kind of why he was trying to get him to be like that, his own demons that he had, but like he just was just really trying to tame him. And Elvis was like, nah, bro, you know, just I can't. And I, I knew he was gonna act a fool at that show. <laughs> like I just knew It was like, okay, I like I, I don't know much about this incident, but <laughs> you can he gonna do see. what he wanna do. Yeah. And he's gonna get arrested. You can kinda <laughs> see what's coming, yeah, like a mile away. <laughs> Uh, but that scene well, after the Steve Allen show and then him like kind of taking off and going back to Beale Street. Yeah. I, I just wrote he had to get back with his people. So, OK. <laughs> so my notes here were, um, was he really that welcome in, I said the hood, but like metaphorically, like was he really that welcome around black people? I didn't I, know that. I feel he like he, he had to be. He like had they to be. really because I know they made a point to say at the beginning of the movie, like they're playing on the pop stations, they're playing on the country stations and with the colored kids, they like it too. So if that is the case, then yeah, black people are probably very familiar with this music. BB King's cool with them. He allows them to come in the club handy. He's up there with uh big mama Thornton. Like he's, he's, he's seems really more comfortable there than he has been anywhere that, else that other than his, at it, home. It was know? as if that was his element. Yeah. Like you see him earlier in the movie, he's driving trucks constantly going to Bill Street. There the white kids make fun of him because I guess for acting black and using that in, in quotes. 
But like, it's just like that seemed to be, yeah, his people, so to speak. These are the this is the music that makes me happy. I just want to come down here and listen to it. Uh, it's a, very interesting. A lot of um, a lot of <laughs> superstardom in that room. Elvis and BB King, Lil Richard, who was had just been discovered apparently yeah. in this timeline, and then Sister Rosetta Tharp. Yeah, that's a that's yeah. I'm trying to think of like what would be the equivalent today. Like a whole lot of money in this room. <laughs> at like some like, you know, at a club that's popular but like still intimate enough to where it's just like, hmm, you know, Prince might come up here and do a song. Like it's that kind of feel, you know? It's like you put the light on, it's like, oh snap. Is that is that Elton John? Elton John's here? Like <laughs> Elton John might come up and do a song. Like, yeah, I was there, man, the first time. They discovered Sting. You know, I just like it's that kind of that type of energy in the room. I, really I don't know that. why that reminded me of if you ever see Jamie Foxx on late night shows telling the story of his of his of his well not infamous but famous house parties and who would show up. Yeah, those they're always good stories. They're always <laughs> but they're good all stories. over the place. Yeah, like the timeline is confusing. <laughs> like how many? Like what year was this? He's like, like Jay Z's over here. Kanye's over here <laughs> and Ed Sheeran's over here. Like, what year is this? <laughs> Wasn't Ed Sheeran sleeping on this couch at one point? Because I think he discovered Ed Sheeran. It was him or Pharrell. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but yeah, to have been in that room back then, you know, and then the editing, of course, because it's Bass Lerman, is frenetic because you're going from one scene where he's performing. To the next scene where um was it Sister Rosetta Thorpe is singing? Yeah. And Elvis is just sitting there just taking it in. Yeah. And then that's when they go out on the balcony and he's like, you know, you got your own bus, you can that accent, I just keep hearing it. Like he was he he nailed that. He he nailed the role of Elvis, but yeah. just talking about all the things he wants to do, and that's where BB is like, you gotta be you, you know, that's what they wanna see. So I just I I never knew that they had such a close relationship. And according to Things I've read and researched right after I watched the movie, all of that was true. They were actually pretty good friends. Yeah. So I thought that was very interesting. Um. <clears throat> so I like with the with sister Rosetta Tharp was like after the show they had church. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit of church. The there. after party. <laughs> um. So with the benefit concert in which he performs Trouble, uh. I was, and I didn't I didn't really know anything about this uh particular incident. But uh, he went to, he got arrested. Um, mm -hmm. He he trolled a little bit, like, as long as you don't wiggle a finger. And that's, like, the first thing he did. <laughs> um, so, I guess, because he was going to be sent to jail, they're like, okay, we're going to go into the Army. It's like, what kind of options I, I are those? I didn't know like, the circumstances of normalized. why he was in the Army. Yeah. But this is this was why. It was that or jail. Um. And I, I also thought about like this was his moment of defiance and kind of thought also of the um, if people are familiar with Lenny Bruce. Uh, Seven, did he have this? No, that was George Carlin. Lenny Bruce was very controversial for his time, though. Yeah, for yeah. his time. Because yeah. um, basically he was doing kind of similar content to. I guess you could say like. Dave Chappelle, mm -hmm. like what he's been doing recently, mm. in which, um, as far as the subject matter, but at the time with Lenny Bruce, people coming the you know the law coming after him is basically because he's using profanity. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not really the subject matter yeah. of itself, just for using profanity. Um, so he goes to the army. All right, mm-hmm. this is where I had a problem. I know it had to be mm-hmm. in the movie because it's part of the story. But listen, y'all, when Elvis and Priscilla met. They heavily sanitized that. She was 14. Yeah, they heavily so they made it seem like she was the same age. Yeah, that's that's one of the first <laughs> things I noticed off the bat that was pretty sanitized was their relationship. It was highly inappropriate. So keep that in mind, y'all. Yeah. When they met, she was 14. Yeah. But in this movie, they made it seem like they were the same age. Yeah. And then a few years later, they get married. Yeah. She was 21 at the time when they got married. But when they met, <laughs> he, when he was in the Army, she was 14 <laughs> years old. So what was she doing at that party? Hmm? Hmm? Answer that. Answer that, Boz Lerman. Yeah. But it was part of the story, so you had to put it in there. But they made like, don't just don't reference her age at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Let's see what else we got here. The Christmas special. So we get to the Christmas special. Um, you know he's been touring. Uh, kind of fall, fell too. off doing all these movies. He wanted to be the next James Dean, and I can't name one Elvis movie <laughs> off the top. Of my, there's Jailhouse Rock, but that's about was, it. Did he have a movie called Viva Las Vegas, or it was it just yes. a song? He did. Okay. He did. Yeah. Okay. That's uh, all I know. I, I would. I wouldn't have even thought about Jailhouse Rock. So. <laughs> All I would think about is Viva Las Vegas. And it was, it, the movies weren't very mm-hmm. good, but people went to see him because Elvis was in him. Yeah. But you could put him in the same realm as those uh, Frankie and Annette movies, uh, whatever movie that was where the wonders are uh, Captain Skeech uh, and, and the Shrimp Shack, Shack shooters. shooters or something like that. <laughs> oh, Just man. like those beach party movies beach that were- Blanket bingo. That were thrown <laughs> together in 20 minutes. Oh, God. Yeah. He did a lot of those movies. <laughs> um, made a lot of money, though. Made money, Had- but people were coming to see him. So he was, he was a big star, big box office star. To feed the Memphis Mafia, as they were called. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So we get to doing the Christmas special. <clears throat> I- uh, Basically, again, Elvis getting back to his roots. Yep, he wanted to do the music he wanted to do. Yeah. He meets, has the clandestine meeting up at the Hollywood sign, and it's basically like, I'm not, I don't want to do a, a Christmas special. I want to do what I want to do, and because like it yeah. was, it was supposed to be a Christmas special. Still, not one Christmas song at all. Yeah. So he definitely did what he wanted to do. Yeah. <laughs> And it's like, how did they just sneak all of, like, I get how they made it look in the movie, but literally, man, like, how did Colonel Tom Parker let all of this get by him? Like, all of this got by him. But the thing, like, (laughs) it was like, okay, you see this, but we're actually filming something else. Because they had all this Christmas stuff, which is not in the special at all. Yeah. (laughs) But they just did that, I guess, is like, so he could sell the sponsors on it. Yeah. Because uh, that was the key thing. Uh, but then it <laughs> ends up being, basically, it's an iconic yeah. piece of television. Which is crazy because, you know, after I, I, eventually he just had to admit he was defeated and it was a good idea. Elvis yeah. knew what he was doing. Should have acquiesced to him. You're right. It becomes like the black jumpsuit. That look becomes legendary. The mm-hmm. The whole thing, really. 
the 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 stage, the, yeah, the little square stage, mm-hmm. um, all the all the background stuff, the 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 music that he wanted to do, even wrote a new song. Mm-hmm. So he, uh, yeah, he he still did what he wanted to do, but that was supposed to be a Christmas special, and being filmed in June because apparently the RFK assassination happened during the filming. Yeah. And uh, I wrote. I feel that, like it was June. I feel like that was June, nineteen sixty-eight. I wrote that. Um. So Dr. King gets shot right before that. He's upset. He's like, it happened in my, basically in Memphis, not far from where I live. Kennedy gets shot. He wants to say something, and I said, Colonel Tom Parker pulled the Republicans wear tennis shoes too. Yeah. He was mm-hmm. like, nope, we ain't mm-hmm. getting political. We're not. <laughs> we're not touching it. And he was like, Memphis is burning. I think Priscilla said that Memphis is burning. Tom Parker's like, mm, that's not my problem. I ain't from Memphis. <laughs> that's not my problem. <laughs> where are you from? That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter where I'm from. I just know it's not my problem. We're doing a Christmas special. <laughs> like, he didn't care. It's it crazy. So, um, writes a new song. That becomes a hit. The Christmas special, or it's now known as the 68 Comeback Special, uh, becomes a hit. And then Colonel Tom Parker's like, we're... We're back on top. Like, you had nothing to do with this. Nothing. And that's when I wrote, like, (laughs) does he, did he ever really need Tom Parker? So, and I think maybe it's one of those at the beginning. Yes. Now, mm -mm, he's holding you back. You know, they say in the next scene, he turned down a million dollars a night. A million dollars then? In 1968, 69? That's like getting paid. A hundred million. Like there's people now who don't get a million dollars a show. (laughs) They might if, you know, if it's these one of these uh, private parties in Dubai or or the um, United Arab Emirates or something, you know, Beyonce might get five million to do some kid's birthday party. Yeah, (laughs) that was insane back then. Um, But a million dollars just for one performance. And he That's it like a hundred million today. Yeah, and an old boy turned Maybe it down. Maybe like fifty, but you know? still like a lot. But we find out why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because as you would find out, and I had read it before and didn't put it together, um, and been finding out as well that Elvis never never toured internationally. Yeah, which seems like a shame because did he a show outside well. of America. Yeah. Uh, but it was because of Colonel Tom. Um, and when he's ready to do this tour under new management, uh, Colonel Tom has a heart attack. Yeah. So he goes to see him in the hospital and he's just going to see him say, I'm going still going to do this tour mm-hmm. and move on. And Priscilla told him like, don't get snowed. Like you're about to get snowed right here. You're about to see it. <laughs> so he sells him on. Basically doing a Vegas residency. I don't know if it was the first one at the time, but I think it was kind of a new idea. Yeah, he. I, I definitely, from what I understand, he definitely popularized it. Yeah, yeah. Um, because Colonel Tom had uh, humongous gambling debts. Yeah, and <laughs> was it gonna break his legs, his life? <laughs> I don't know what they were gonna do. Um, but he but sold I, I that wrote, man, save his own skin. I said he said he wouldn't get snowed, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Uh, 
I don't know if this contract was written on a tablecloth like we saw in the movie. <laughs> that was if that wasn't the seediest thing. And it was during while he's singing Suspicious Minds. Yeah. I'm like, this is too on the nose. It is so on the nose. <laughs> this is too on the nose so right now. So on the nose. Oh God. Um, and then all the the paranoia because he's taking painkillers yeah. or barbiturates or the birth of white uppers and downers and greenies, was... whatever these drugs are called in the sixties and seventies. He's got the capes. <laughs> yeah. The sideburns getting thicker. Like it's <laughs> <laughs> he's this is white jumpsuit era Elvis right here. <laughs> that Elvis. So uh there was no I thought there would be like at least a quick scene of like him uh meeting with Nixon. Cause that was an infamous mm. meeting where he met with Nixon mm-hmm. and was deputized into the FBI. <laughs> That's why a lot of people like the with the conspiracies that Elvis was still alive. He just um went into the FBI undercover. Oh, I never heard that one. That that's one of the big conspiracies, okay. and it started with him meeting Nixon that time. Mm. Um, so, in finding out that why Elvis never toured internationally, and Colonel Tom kind of like planting the seeds of doubt about an international tour, mm-hmm. which could have been handled, is just he couldn't handle it. Yeah, he literally couldn't handle it because he he's not a citizen. Of anything. Of any country. Yeah. And can't get a passport. He is really Dutch, but he has, uh, he came to the U.S. and um, somehow was able to join the Army, changed his name to Tom Parker, but he never, there's nothing ever official about him being whatever his, uh, his old name was or how he came to America. But since he's not a citizen, he's not really he's he's from nowhere. Yeah. And I don't know if that's how the scene <clears throat> went where Elvis on where, stage. Where he's oh. on stage and he kind of airs him out. That was <laughs> painful. I was like, oh God, this is so awkward. Um so he basically airs him out, he fires Tom, and then I put Petty Tom Parker. So did I. I wrote Petty Parker. Oh, man. Uh, oh, accounting for all the expenses over a 17, 18-year period. This man started with the damn Louisiana Hayride gas. $1.25. Jeez. And apparently he did write it all down, but he tried to account for every penny. Yeah. Um. Let me ask you this. Did Vernon, did his dad sell him out? Like, just like. We're broke, Elvis. You didn't even try to protect him. You didn't try to help him. That's the reason why. Nothing. I think that's the reason why Colonel Tom Parker wanted him there because he knew he was a pushover. He knew when push came to shove, he would give in. And I think he thought Elvis would listen to him. Because you're right, it didn't even sound like he we're broke. What do you mean we broke? Like, how can he? What what contract? Because you spend you spend a lot of money. Like, I made a lot, a lot of, of money, money though. Yeah, and I'm still in demand. Everything. Like, I can go to Europe right now, son, and pay this back. Like, <laughs> what did he owe him? You know, like that's that's what kind of got me. It's like if you're as big as as you seem, go out and do some shows. 
you know, and here you go. Boom, we're done. Now get the hell away from me. <laughs> like, and then to say I can loan you the money to pay me back, bro, I would have hit him. <laughs> like, I, I was thinking that, too. I didn't write it, but I was thinking of, like, why did you just punch him for saying something like that? Like, that's that? the boldest thing <laughs> you can say. Like, that's essentially saying, like, I bet you won't hit me. <laughs> I'll lend you the money. Huh? Huh? <laughs> it's like sticking your face out, daring him. <laughs> oh, God, man. Like, oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, it was insane. Oh, yeah. that, but that was his cash cow. I mean, hell, he's... He's in the hallway before, or in the corridor before the show, passing out. The nurse is like, if he was my son, I'd put him in the hospital. And, and he's just like. And he then has he, to be on stage. Like, whoa. <laughs> and he just looks at Vernon, like, to make the call. I'm like, Vernon about to sell him out. Again. At every Again. turn. Like, you know he shouldn't be on stage. Yeah, but Vernon, you know. Yeah, that that was just, Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say the worst dad in the history of film, but <laughs> pretty bad. Uh, I just wrote snowed in all caps. Yep. Snowed <laughs> again. Because uh, basically, like, when he said, like, we're going to lose Graceland, it's like, you got to take him back. <laughs> to Just so he can keep the house that, 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 was, that was the house. Yeah. Early on, that was going to be a house that was going to be in the family forever. Yeah. Um, and then of course Priscilla leaves him, takes Lisa Marie with him. Um, it was kind of sad when he's when she's leaving, and he says, "We'll get back together when you're forty and I'm fifty. We'll be back together." And he didn't make it to fifty. Nope, he did not. He did not. I know they didn't. So I know they touched on the drugs, but. Anyone who's listening, I encourage you to to actually read up on the amount of the sheer amount of drugs he was taking with him everywhere he went. The Memphis Mafia, which were just like cousins and, and friends and, you know, things like that. I heard they were carrying, I think it was two or three suitcases full of just drugs mm. that he was just constantly taking just to get through the day, get through his shows. Um, and it's unfortunate because you see this happen. We kind of just saw this happen with Michael Jackson, where the person is clearly not in the shape that they should be in to be a performer. With, with Prince as well. Yeah, with Prince as well. And But there's too many people making money off of that person yeah, to, gotta, gotta to care about their well-doing. Yeah, or their, their well-being, excuse me. So when you've got someone who, like, this person's clearly not of good health, however, that's my cash cow. You know, you stop performing, I stop getting money. So you act like Colonel Tom Parker. No matter what, this man needs to get on stage. And you pump them full of drugs. You do whatever it is that you have to do. Because what do you care? Yeah. Till the wheels fall off, you know? And it's unfortunate. And it's a tale as old as time. Like, Elvis died in, what was it, 77? Yeah. He was 42. Yeah. He dies in 77. 20, 30, well, not 20, that would be 97, 30, 40 years later, we're still seeing it happen. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. Show business, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's no business, I guess, <laughs> in this case. <laughs> nobody, nobody was looking out. After his mother died, no one was looking out for him, yeah. unfortunately. 
So, um, so yeah, it, it's in a way it was it was it's a unique story like about his rise, but it's kind of a tale as old as time as far as with the artist and dealing with fame and you know kind of the physical toll that it takes on you, the mental toll that it mm-hmm. takes on you management taking advantage of you yeah um hell i think george jones is like that too actually (laughs) yeah i mean it's just you could there's probably like just bevies of artists that are like that hell these are the ones we know about there's probably artists out there that we don't even realize behind the scenes and everything they're probably a wreck you know because they're someone's cash cow uh so a little information about the film um so Austin Butler uh, won out. Uh, other front runners for the role were Anson Elgert uh, from Baby Driver, uh, Miles Teller. I would have never watched this movie if Miles Teller was playing Elvis. He, he, he on the try hard list. Awful I, it, Elvis. Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson was like interesting. Him. That's I feel like he's too right? short. From what? He's from Kick-Ass, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. He's... I feel like he was too short to play yeah. Elvis. Um, Harry Styles? Nope. Still wouldn't, wouldn't have watched it. Apparently, he's a terrible actor. Um, and so, uh, Austin Butler won the role after impressing Boz Lerman with an uh, audition tape of him singing Unchained Melody. I heard Dennis, not Dennis, Denzel Washington also endorsed him. Uh, yes, Denzel Washington endorsed him as well. Powerful endorsement, if you ask me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good. Um, Maggie Gyllenhaal was in talks to play Gladys. Um, Hmm, okay. And, uh, she was eventually replaced, probably for scheduling purposes, because she, she had directed a movie. Um, she was probably directing a movie that she, uh, at the same time. Um, uh, Yola, the singer Yola is, uh, she was nominated for best new artist a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. She's who played sister Rosetta Tharp. Okay. And, um, there was an actress, uh, Oh man, there was an actress who was in it. Oh, she played Big Mama Thornton. Uh, she passed away shortly after the movie came out. Oh wow! That's so the sad. actress who played Big Mama Thornton had passed uh, uh, recently. Mm. Um, so those who haven't seen it, uh, Austin Butler's Elvis, Tom Hanks is Colonel Tom. Uh, I didn't really know any other actors. Oh, Cody Smith McPhee. Um, as Jimmy Rogers Snow, he was nominated for for an Oscar last year. <laughs> um, Gary Clark Jr. was uh, Big Boy Crudup, who sang, who was singing um, "That's All Right" in the, the juke, juke joint. joint. Okay. Um, I said I didn't really recognize anybody else. <laughs> Only the, the person I recognized just because Stranger Things was Doc. Oh, and Power Rangers, Doc Gray. Montgomery, who was a part of the um, crew the, okay. that helped produce the oh, comeback the, special. Oh, that okay. I knew he looked familiar. Yeah, he was in Power. He I was, was like, I know this guy's face. Jason in Power Rangers. Yeah, and he uh, Stranger Things. 
Yeah, he played Billy. Yeah. It's like I I he looks very familiar. Yeah, I, I didn't, didn't know anyone else though. Good good cast. Yeah. But I just didn't know anyone else. Yeah. Um so uh they ended with with Unchained Melody at one of his last shows um which was 2 months before you died. Um and then they have the 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 text, the epilogue text at the end that uh, Colonel Parker, Colonel Tom, um, uh, basically got what he was supposed to get or pay what he was supposed to pay to finally sever ties with the, uh, Elvis estate. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, basically gambled his life away. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was about it um yeah, so, I, yeah. I enjoyed it um thought it was well acted good um good costume design very bright and engaging but i guess as you say that's a that, that's Lerman. a Bob Lerman thing that's what he does so um but i i did it i enjoyed it thoroughly um i'm glad that they did not try to I know we talked about this briefly prior to recording, but um, there was a lot of questions with a movie like this. Would would they shy away from um, his ties to black music? I guess you could say some people will say his appropriation of black music, his ties to black music, his influence of black music. I know we did an episode. I can't remember the, the exact title of the episode, but we did an episode many years ago about Elvis which we talked about his about upbringing. cultural appropriation. Yeah, cultural appropriation, yeah. him growing up in Tupelo, and then later, well, being from Tupelo and then growing up in Memphis, and, you know, being around black people and the difference between appropriation versus appropriation versus appreciation, and I still stand by that I think that for him it was appreciation. I mean, the, the two scenes I think that stick out, granted, I don't know how true they are, but the Sweet Inspirations, he wanted them to be his backup singers um, for his tour. Bringing Fats Domino out when people are like, you know, he's the king. You're the king of rock and roll. He's like, no, Fats Domino is the king of rock and roll. His appreciation for gospel. Talking about how much he loved Mahalia Jackson. Like all of these things. Um, and a lot of them, you know, have turned out to be true. Just that doesn't strike me as somebody who's playing black. Yeah. You know. I think a lot of people, you know, you think of the Public Enemy song of Fight the Power yeah. and referencing Elvis. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people just looked at it that way um, because you didn't hear Elvis talk about it. I think you didn't hear Elvis talk about it because no one was trying to listen to that. Yeah. Nobody wanted to <laughs> he hear He probably said it, it but, yeah. he, you know, no one was trying to hear that. Which is kind of sad because that's how the media can kind of control a narrative, you know? Yeah. Like, he... He probably, yeah, there probably were instances where he tried to, you know, to show that appreciation and people just like, that's not, not what we want to hear. I think I was talking to one of our other guests who we have on here, Abe, and that, you know, the funny part about it is, is there is a tinge of racism, but not from his side. Essentially, you like listening to him because he sounds like a black man, but you don't want to listen to the black people that sing the song, even though he's singing it just like just them. Just like them, yeah. He didn't, because that was the thing about him. He didn't. He had an appreciation of the music to where he didn't pat Boone it up. 
he didn't change it very much. He might have added his own little thing onto it, but he was trying to sing it like them. So if he's trying to sing it like them and you love him, but you don't like the race records, well, then what's it, the what's It's kind of like what I heard uh, recently, and now I can't unhear it. When he said it, I couldn't unhear it. I was listening to uh, a Mind Jones podcast, and uh, he was talking about uh, with Steve Perry oh, trying Steve to sound Perry. like Sam Cooke. Yep. Oh, yeah, he does do that. Okay. Yeah, that's a good that's a I'm good. like, I can't unhear it yeah, now. Like, he, yeah. he's tried to sound like Sam Cooke all this time, him and Rod Stewart. Uh, but the influence of there there are so many white artists who are influenced by black artists but it's I like I said before like no one's really trying to hear that and just uh, take it as appropriation <clears throat> yeah but if you don't like how <laughs> it's like it can only be appropriation that's how some people yeah that. Like, like if you do it not it necessarily because even the I think even the narrative is kind of trying to um, shift on Eminem by people saying that he, like you know, they're trying to like. I'm hearing people saying like, oh, he's a white guy. He's blah blah blah. Like, come, like who is who has ever accused Eminem of appropriation? Like that's just that's just it's just weird. So it's like, what are we what are we looking for? Like, do we like are we so possessive of our music that no one can do it ever? <laughs> It's like no one can ever do this music because it's ours, and it's just like I, I don't know. I guess I, mean, I think also mm. there are some uh, some people tried to put Eminem and like Vanilla Ice in the same category. Not even the ugh. but the difference is okay. Vanilla Ice fabricated some things yeah. <laughs> in his life, tried to make it seem like he was something that he wasn't. Yeah. With Eminem, he was rapping about things that black rappers weren't going to rap about. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, he has so much skill yeah, that he has more skill than some of these black rappers that people, like, hated on him for that or felt threatened. Was it? Yeah. Was it? Is it, either, it was either 50 or the game that made that comment. It might have been 50. He was like, you got this white guy coming in here doing it better than other black guys, and a lot of black folks didn't like that. <laughs> that made them feel some kind of way. Because the game feels like he's better yeah. than Eminem. Um, so I just I just always thought that was funny. He didn't – He I never felt like he was trying to change. Like he always tried to, you know, do the music the way that it was, you know – that it was supposed to be done or how he felt it should have been done. So, you know, it, it'd be one thing to, you know, like, and I know we always make Pat Boone the, the butt of jokes, but Pat Boone was making, like, a killing off of taking these these songs and sanitizing them and making them more palatable for a white audience. Yeah. That's what he was doing. He was the guy that, like, the Senator Eastman would have loved. <laughs> Pat Boone, yeah, that's great, you know. Not Elvis, though. Elvis was dancing like a black man. Singing this these race records, <laughs> so yeah, I just I just find that funny. Wiggling his junk in my yeah. daughter's face. Uh, <laughs> uh, also, uh, Austin Butler nominated for uh, Screen Actors Guild Award for Best Actor. That's cool. Um, that uh, ceremony is next month. 
Okay. So we'll find out if he wins that. I, I feel like for sure he's going to be nominated for um, an Oscar. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if he's going to win, <laughs> but I wouldn't be surprised. Mm-hmm. But there were some things, I think it's just the production and the writing that kind of glossed over things. Yeah. Um, I feel like you could make, you could change out everything about the screenplay, put in other things, and still have a significant story. Yeah. So there's, um, I mean, there have been other, uh, you know, um, productions about Elvis's life. There's the 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 short lived series about Sun Records. I didn't know there was a series about Sun um, Records. Yeah, there was one where, um, I think David Keith played Elvis. It was a something from like the late eighties, like a TV movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a story that is. It's hard to tell because there's a lot to it. And I was wondering how they tackle that. Because there, there, there are some movies that, like, I don't know if I'll see them made in my lifetime. Like, a movie about Michael Jackson is probably close to impossible yeah. to do. I think I think we got the Jackson's an American Dream. and I That's think the closest. That's, that, that's the best. I can't get. think. Well, I can't think of anything aside from a Netflix series that could, you know, or a Netflix and style series. And that would series. probably be terrible. Yeah. Because the Selena one is not great. Oh, it's not good? Oh. Um, Prince is another art. There's a short list of artists where it's hard to do a now, movie. Now HBO did it. Yeah, you know, because have you Showtime. seen Showtime? Great. I haven't seen the George and Tammy one yet. Well, no, I'm talking about Showtime as in like the story of the Lakers. Oh yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, I think I think if anyone can handle it well, it would be HBO. Even though that is over the top. Because it's it's Adam McKay. Yeah, that's, I think that I, I, was gonna say, I think they just, did that on purpose. That's what he does. So they made it more of a comedy, but it's based on a lot of true stuff. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe HBO or where Showtime could do because they have the George and Tammy. Okay. Um, oh, is that out yet? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. So, but I but I think like Elvis, Prince, Michael Jackson, um. Madonna, even though there's the there there's uh I think it was a movie about her pre stardom days when she was part of that band Breakfast Club. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, she played <laughs> drums for a little bit. Yeah, and her dating Basquiat. Yeah, before she was famous. Um, there's that. So you can do like little things like that, but trying to tell like their entire life story. It's very difficult. Very do. difficult. Yeah. And then the music rights. Like that's why yeah, I feel I don't know if we'll ever <laughs> see a Prince biopic just because. Well, maybe, maybe because if his if the people handling the estate, if yeah. it's his family, and we're talking about like crack they make crack prices <laughs> for the vault, uh, if there if that does exist, yeah. you know, so it, it might happen, or you know, uh, it, it it has to be like you know a big theatrical production. It can't be like these lifetime movies. No, no, you gotta you gotta put some money behind it, and find a way to monetize it as well because. They're going to be expensive. And then finding the right actor. Like, I had never heard of Austin Butler. Nor had I. Nor had I. Uh, but for him to get, like, what was he even in before this? Not a lot of stuff. 
Uh, like he had bit parts and things. He was he was virtually an unknown. The star power behind they, yeah. this was Tom Hanks. They like I I had never he had been in uh was this a High School Musical spinoff? Um, he was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm. <laughs> he was in that, but mm. um, yeah, and, but he and he had done a lot of TV, but not um. It was a, they took a chance on him trying to find the right actor for these roles because they you got to look the part. Yeah. And if they talk a certain way, you got to pull that off. Yeah, he pulled it off very well. Now he said in the movie like the younger Elvis, it was Austin Butler's voice and then they just use Elvis's voice for the for when he's older mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, so it I mean it you got to it's a lot of production involved yeah. as well. So that the this was an ambitious production, and like I, I agree that they pulled it off. Yeah. Um. So that'll do it for our discussion on the film Elvis. Uh, it's on HBO Max. If you want to stream it somewhere, that's where I watched it. <laughs> um. So we'll get to my earworm of the week. Um. I don't think I had uh played. This guy before Tom Meesh, uh, he's a British guitarist, um, kind of in the I don't know R and B neo soul kind of realm. Um, but he put out a was this an album? No, it was a, a single with uh, Yusuf Days. Yusuf Days, who's a a drummer, I believe. They did an album together called What Kind of Music, and. Was that song? Yeah, and then and on the album they did a song with Freddie Gibbs. Okay. Called Night Rider. And um I think it's a pretty cool song. So we're gonna play I, I came back to it because the album came back came out two years ago. Well, three years ago almost. Um I've been making playlists like based on the season. So this is part of my winter twenty twenty three. Okay, okay. <laughs> Uh, so this is Night Rider by Tom Meach and Yusuf Days. Uh, it might be Deus. I'm not sure how his name's pronounced. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing it. But featuring Freddie Gibbs, and we will be right back. Mr. Days with the break of the drums 
YHT Earworms playlist, uh, Earworms of the Week playlist on Spotify right now. And uh, check out their album, What Kind of Music, came out in 2020. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, that'll bring us to the end of this episode. Um, thank you all for watching or listening. Um, what should we end the show with something from the soundtrack or just an Elvis song or I would say something from the soundtrack. Okay. Um well the song that I know of is uh Vegas by Doja Cat. Yeah let's do it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh also on the soundtrack if y'all want to check it out um Eminem and CeeLo have a song together. Sway Lee and Diplo have a song together. There's a, a PNAU remix of Don't Fly Away by Ooh. Elvis. Casey Musgraves does a cover of Can't Help Falling in Love. Ooh. Um, Album of the Year winner, Casey Musgraves. Uh, Denzel Curry is on there because I heard Denzel Curry in the movie. <laughs> um, Jasmine Sullivan does a cover of Sometimes I Feel Like a Motherless Child. Oh, wow. Uh Jack White does a cover of Power of My Love. Um, so, yeah, it's expected for a Boslerman movie. <laughs> so, we're in the show in the podcast with uh, Vegas by Doja Cat. And it starts playing. There it is. And thank you all for listening. And we'll talk to you very, very soon. Peace. Peace. Yeah. I get it.
right now when I'm corseted. I don't think he gon' make it. Do not let me start raging. I'm losing my patience. This ain't staying in Vegas. There's more sides to the story. I'ma tell everybody. Had your ass in courtside with your arm around me. Had your ass in first class with your burnt ass out in Abu Dhabi. Could've been what we should've been, but you lost a bet. Now you gotta find me. Find a seat. I ain't playing as hide and seek. High school where you finally peek. Hound dog couldn't find a treat. I'm a bad bitch, but. 